Okay, so it's supposed to go songs. Justin introduced me pray, but he prayed, so introduced, and now I'm praying. So we're back on schedule. All right, so let's bow our hearts. As the Lord wills. As the Lord wills. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your word that we can go to and run to. Um, I pray that you give us hearts that would place our faith in your word um, that describes who you are um, and who we are in light of that. So I pray tonight as Jesse brings some hard words from the words of Jesus Christ from the book of Luke, um, referring to what it means to actually look and function like a disciple of Jesus Christ. These are hard words, and I pray that you give him wisdom and strength to um, present them, that um, we all may look and take inventory of our lives and see how it stacks up against your word and what we should be doing and how we should be thinking and how we should be serving you um, as opposed to where we are in our lives. So I just pray that you bless this time tonight. I pray for your spirit to um, um, waken our hearts up to the truths that uh, we need to be very aware of. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alrighty, fantastic. So, uh, if you're new here, my name's Jesse. I'm one of the elders here at Miss Yoda. Am I holding the mic in an appropriate position? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So, I don't normally uh, teach, so this is going to be uh, an interesting evening for all of us. Uh, yeah. It's alright. <laughs> 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 what a icebreaker. Okay, we're okay. We're okay. Word. Um, <laughs> that was a hard word. Yes. So, uh, I, I guess just a little anecdote, anecdote real fast before I begin. I was like, this is a pretty, uh, this is a pretty self-explanatory passage that we're going to be going through, um, but it's a, it's a really hard passage. So I was trying to decipher in my own mind if it's this difficult for Justin to teach every week. <laughs> I feel like there's a weight, and I don't know if that's normal or if that's just because of the, uh, the content we're going through. Um, so we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 14, the end of the chapter, 25 through 35. Um, we will read it in a little bit, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, so our faith uh, is an interesting faith. Um, on one hand, it's as simple as love God and love others, but in the battlefield of everyday life, uh, that simple call can get very muddled, confused, and lost. Um, so that's why, as Justin said, we're going to take a couple weeks to reorient, uh, to refocus. Um, we're going to be bringing the vision back to our hearts and back to the church. Um, so we're taking a break from John this week and next week. We're adjusting focus back on the vision we set before MD. Uh, in January. Um, all of those notes are up online uh, on our website. You can get to them uh, if you want to review. Uh, the hope is that we can reorient our lives around the things that Christ calls us to and uh, that come along with the commitment of living a, a kingdom life. So we're trying to uh, get away from doing our own thing uh, and move towards doing uh, the things that Christ would call us to do. Um, so that said, we're going to dive into, my, into tonight's passage. But first I wanted to read the last line in the text, because uh, I felt that it might mean something to us if we bookended the passage with the, with the very last line. Um, not that we're you know, adding or changing scripture or anything like that, but um, I just felt it appropriate to, to keep it in the back of our heads, uh, the ending, the, the bell, uh, so to speak, to the chapter. That, that'll be ringing throughout our heads as we continue forward. Um, that line uh, would be, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear that throughout tonight's lesson. Um, so, okay, now we can dive in. Uh, I believe I put the scripture in, uh, in our presentation software, so hopefully it'll get up there. Um, starting at verse 25 of Luke chapter 14. 
Now great crowds accompanied him, that was Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Uh, Verse 34, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, So the title of tonight's lesson is called Figure It Out, Uh, and I'd like that phrase to keep coming back to you um, as we, you know, continue rereading this passage. Um, So this passage is a call to action. Uh, This this is not a a complacency passage. Um, Real quick, this this doesn't fit into any other points that I was going to try to make tonight, so I'm going to throw it in there, Uh, is that as I was reading it, you can kind of hear this one phrase repeated over and over again, uh, and that's, cannot be my disciple repeated maybe four or five times throughout the whole thing uh, in just maybe ten verses or so. Um, And I thought that was interesting because Jesus is speaking to a large crowd. And I feel normally when we talk about uh, how to become a disciple of Jesus, we talk about what you can do. Um, Jesus is using negative language. He's talking about what you can't do. Um, If you do this, you cannot be my disciple. Or if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. Um, So I thought that that was an interesting approach, and I think it makes uh, his point very clear um, as we move forward. Uh, But it's not very tolerant language of Jesus, is it? It doesn't sound very inclusive. It sounds very exclusive. Um, So anyway, jump into the text. So verse 26 and 27, uh, I'll I'll reread it real quick. Um, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after B cannot be my disciple. Um, so, Jesus doesn't waste any time here. Uh, he's going right for the throat. Um, who here values family relationships? Um, they're pretty important to you, right? Uh, my hand goes up as well, as it did. Um, I love my wife and my two little ones more than anyone. Uh, my parents are deeply valued by both my brother uh, and I love his disciple. Uh, I'm sure many of the critics of the Christian faith love this passage. Uh, they probably point and say, see, he's crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. Everybody but me is crazy. Uh, but what we have to remember about Scripture is that it's in a particular context. Uh, Jesus was a real human being speaking to real people in a real way. He understood uh, hyperbole. He understood colloquialism. He understood. And so when he says... Uh, hate my family, he is trying to prove a point. And that point is not anything, nor anyone, should be sitting on his throne in my life, in your life. Um, So if we think of things that we place um, up high, 
uh, on Christ's throne in our life. Can can you name some for me? Uh, I'll start with one, and that would be maybe school. Maybe schooling replaces Christ in their life on a day-to-day basis. School's the focus. Um, does anybody else have any anything else that they might want to throw on that list of, of what distracts us, what, what gets popped up there on the throne? Dating. Dating, relationships. <laughs> the gym. The gym. Money. Money. People's perception of you. What people think of you, people's perception of you. You throw ego in there, maybe. Comfort. Comfort. So pretty much anything, right? Video games. Video games. Oh, man, there was a day. That, that day is not today. There was a day <laughs> where, where I could probably admit that. Um, but pretty much, really, anything, anything that we could possibly think of, that we could possibly exalt in our lives, um, could, could take the throne. Um, so, uh, jumping, jumping down to verse 27, uh, where he talks about bearing our own cross. Does anybody have any inkling as to what it means to carry your cross? Any guesses? Any guesses? I think the one perception, at least, that I've been taught was, like, whatever persecution you're going through is your cross. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you are you make fun at it at school, that's the cross you need to bear. Mm-hmm. So personal ridicule would be the cross that you have to bear. Maybe a difficult situation you're going through, like, uh, I don't know, family member's sick, that's your cross to bear. Maybe trials in life is your cross to bear. Um, does anybody what, know what it means to bear your cross in the historical context? So, so we just talked about Jesus being a real person in a real place in a real time. What, what does it mean for Jesus talking to his audience in the first century uh, when he says, carry your own cross? Does anybody have any inkling? It's actually like grabbing the hunk of tree that you're going to be hung from and walking it all the way to where you're going to be hung. Yeah, it's the death march, right? Yeah. So um, Jesus was foreshadowing his death uh, when he's, when he, whenever he talks about uh, carrying your cross. He's foreshadowing, foreshadowing not only his death, but also the potentiality of the death of his true disciples. Right? Um, at a crucifixion, it was possible for the victim, the perpetrator, to carry the cross beam of their own cross to the site of their death. A difficult and demeaning dilemma for sure, but the Romans didn't really care. Um, you were a dead man anyway, just less work for them to do. Um, so this statement wasn't intended to mean, uh, will you have businesses turn down your request uh, for health care baskets uh, from me? Or will you be ridiculed at school for me? Or are you prepared to not be allowed on Rowan campus for me? Which is some of the things that we're facing right now as a church. Uh, no. This is, this is not what Jesus is talking about. The statement that Jesus is making is, will you die for me? Death or bust. Um, see, Jesus, like many leaders, isn't interested in, in half-assed disciples. Um, our workplaces don't allow it. Our colleges don't allow it. Our parents don't allow it. Why would Jesus allow it? Um, Jesus makes reference to death again in Matthew 10, uh, 37-38. Whoever, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This gives us some clarity into Jesus' real intent behind the words, whoever will find his life will lose it. 
nor ever loses his life for my sake, will find it. This challenges our entire pre-Christian worldview. Um, the thing that gives us worth is literally sacrifice for Christ's sake. Um, not some of the things that, that we might be inclined to think, um, such as people's perception of us or uh, excellence in our job. As Christians, shouldn't that be true for all of us? That we would be sacrificing for Christ's sake? Is it true for us? What if, what if, what if we sacrifice? Just something to think about. Um, so continuing on in verses 28 through 33, breaking it down, uh, Jesus moves now to some more practical examples. His call might sound outlandish at first, but honestly, he's only being consistent with other areas of life like we uh, talked about earlier, like workplace, balance, colleges. Uh, his standards are consistent with those even. The following, the following examples follow the process of contemplating before committing. So not just rushing in, not diving right in. Uh, we're talking about contemplating before committing. Uh, so he, he gives an example in 28 through 30 um, of a man building a tower account of the cost. Uh, he warns that if a man starts building and gets partway through and doesn't have enough to finish, he'll be ridiculed. He'll be a fool. People will point and there will be a half a tower sitting there. And they'll know who built half a tower and who couldn't finish half a tower. Um, it's better to have no tower <laughs> than half a tower and no money to complete it. Um, if you walked into a bank today uh, and wanted a loan to start a business, wouldn't they want a detailed plan, projected costs and success rates, how big of a risk, margin of error? We have some small business owners. Wouldn't they want to know that? We need to approach our commitment to Christ in the same fashion. It's only fair we know what we're getting into, right? And Jesus doesn't want half-assed disciples. He wants us to know that we're getting into a lifelong service of sacrifice for his name. We must realize this or face the reality that the cries of hypocrite might not be unfounded. We need to live consistently with Christ's call to our lives. Um, he, he gives another example. He ups the ante a little bit in the second one. He moves from counting possessions to counting human life. Uh, this is not to downplay counting human possessions, but it's meant to exalt the value of human life. Uh, as humans, we are constantly considering the value of things. After all, we are made in God's image, and therefore uh, we reflect some of those character qualities in our own lives without even knowing it. Um, and, and God himself places different values on different things. Human life is above all. We are the crown of his creation. He gave us souls that will carry on, without our earthly bodies, so that we would have the chance to fellowship and worship with him forever. God places a huge emphasis on the value of human life. But what happens when we don't value human souls as much as God values them? What happens when we're walking around campus uh, letting people pass us by and not, not taking opportunities that God might be putting in place for us? Um, we, we miss those opportunities. We chicken out. We don't engage. We forget our call. We shame his name. We worry about our status. We try and save face. We don't give generally. We don't engage with our local churches. We should. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. Um, in verses 31 and 32, he's speaking of a king who's deliberating massing, tro massing troops to meet an oncoming force. Can he win with 10,000 against 20? Possibly. Very good armies can. Uh, the Israelites faced worse odds in the Old Testament, but they had God as a king then. Uh, we're talking earthly kings. So can you feel the weight of having the responsibility of human life in your hands? Um, I know as a healthcare worker, I feel like sometimes, not that I have those, I just do what the doctors tell me to, but um, 
the reality is if someone's dying in front of you and you're trying your best to save them, that weight, it feels like it's on your hands. Um, but this this king deliberating, he, he doesn't have just one human life on his hands. He has thousands. He has 10,000 human lives to consider. Uh, and you wouldn't be simply a fool as the man who didn't count the cost of his tower in the early verses. You'd be a fool and a murderer if you didn't count the cost well and your, your army got obliterated. Um... So in the same way a king deliberates in his war room, we are to deliberate about becoming a disciple of Christ. The same thought and care that a man planning a war, counting the cost of human lives, um, that's the same attitude that we're to have approaching a commitment to Christ uh, and to his church. Um, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, So to sum up so far, Jesus says the cost of discipleship is not unlike building a tower or amassing an army. You've got to count the cost. But... If a man was a fool and misappropriated funds for a tower, he at least still has his possessions, his family, his name. Uh, a king might send his army to meet, a, meet in battle, and he could lose men and be named a murderer, but he would still have men left over. He could lose a battle, but not necessarily forfeit a war. Um, so let's, let's consider verses 26 and 27 again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Um, A Jesus follower has a different call. We have a different responsibility placed in front of us than mere possessions or other people's lives. We have our own lives here on the line uh, that we're we're accounting for. Um, And he has given us the call to give up this life or don't even bother, essentially. Um, Be prepared to give up anything or don't come to the table. See, nowadays in our American Christianity, we hear people say, you need to give Jesus your life. Uh, And they mean things like 10% of our budget, Sunday afternoons for worship, Wednesday nights for community group or youth group, uh, maybe five minutes in the morning for prayer, maybe, maybe five minutes, if you get the chance. But when Jesus says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, he means... If you're not willing to die for him in the worst way possible, you cannot be one of my followers. Um, He's making it fairly clear-cut, and the stakes are very high. Uh, I think oftentimes we look at the words of Jesus as an illustration, um, as something other than what they say. After all, he did talk in riddles and parables a lot. Um, But this, this is as straight up as you can get. Uh, Jesus is looking to the cross, literally looking to the cross and saying, if you won't follow me there... What makes me think that you'll follow me long term? If you're not willing to follow me short term, what makes me think you'll follow me long term? Uh, And I I think that that's fair. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So from there, Jesus moves on into a discussion about salt and light. Uh, And if, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard a sermon or two on salt and light. Uh, it's, it's a common theme uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, and Jesus uses one more example for us, uh, just in case we didn't get the point uh, up till now. He starts talking about salt. Uh, this one might be a little more cultural, since we don't find it as many uses for salt as they did in the first century. Um, does anybody know how uh, they got salt in this region? Any, any clue as to what current day tourist attraction they were near? Dead Sea, um, aptly named uh, because nothing will live in it due to its high salt content. Um, the Israelites would harvest salt 
Um, they'd be pouring it in water. Uh, they'd be pouring the water into basins, allowing the water to evaporate. Um, and this would be used for things like cleansing, uh, preservation, flavoring, fertilization, sacrifices. Um, they would have multiple different uses. Um, we just use it to give ourselves heart attacks. But they, uh, they, found, they found a lot of different uses for it back then. Um, but if the salt wasn't harvested properly, it would be mixed with other miracles and become literally useless. Um, and that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Jesus says it's not even good for the manure pile. <laughs> and if you're not good enough for the manure pile, <laughs> what, what are you good enough for? Um, <laughs> so it's thrown away. It's literally thrown away. There is no use for it. It's cast down. Um, it's frustrating because it's a waste and now you've got to find some place to put this. Because it's just literally of no use for anything. It just becomes job security for trash collectors, uh, is really all it becomes. Um, but Jesus also talks about salt. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentions salt in the same way. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Um, so in this passage, we see some of the mystery taken away. Um, from Luke's passage, um, Jesus implies what the salt represents. The salt represents the Christian life. This makes the passage hit very heavy, feeling the weight of this, or feel the weight of this. He who has ears, let him hear. He's, he's talking about an unproductive Christian life is basically worthless. There, there is no value to find in it. There, it is not advancing the kingdom forward. It's moving the kingdom backward. Um, it is useless. There, there is no place in the kingdom for a stagnant Christian. Um, he's, he's saying that part of your worth is stripped away um, if you're not advancing the kingdom. Um, but don't tell our American churches this. <laughs> uh, it'll really hurt their feelings uh, and probably their budgets. Um, but here at MD, we don't want to be just another American church. We want to be Jesus' church. We want to advance the kingdom and we want you to join us. But that means you need to count the cost. You need to truly consider if you're going to go the distance to face rejection, to be so bold as to lose your family for the sake of Christ if need be. If not, don't change. Don't change. But you lose your sense of purpose, satisfaction, and delight in Christ if you become complacent. Coming to church isn't enough. That's being stationary. That's sitting at MD events during service, at breakfast, in class, during free period, when you commute to work, at the dinner table, on Facebook, Twitter, and even Snapchat. Everywhere. So join us. Join us in advancing the kingdom. Come follow a loving God. Come worship a risen king. Those of you here who are regular attenders, um, I encourage you to join us and commit to MD. We need you. There's a lot to get done. Uh, without you, it might not happen. So commit. To our covenant community members who have partnered with us in advancing the kingdom, get active. You've made the commitment. You've already, you've already signed the documents. You're already on our list. Evaluate where you're at. Are you active in our community? Are you active in MD Online? 
are you active in signing up for events and giving generously? Um, and helping gather resources that we give out at the community? Get active. Get active. Uh, deacons, engage. Engage with the mission and the vision of, of Missio Day. Be proactive in servant leadership. Follow Jesus and the elders he has set before you in the vision they have for the city. Look for ways to engage with our community that we've never thought about before. Don't wait for events to happen to kick into high gear. Be beacons of resourcefulness and commitment to the community. Engage. And pray. Pray for the elders of this church that we may not simply be visionaries, but that we be men of action, practical men, discipling you, going before you, and teaching you in the way you should, ways you should go. Pray. Pray for your leaders. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna traipse right along into respond time. Uh, this is probably one of the shortest lessons that we've ever I've ever taught. We've ever taught. Um, but as uh, as worship team comes up for respond time, um, I'll just explain it a little bit about what we do here at MD. We offer time to reflect and respond to worship. Uh, in worship to Jesus. This can look like a prayer, raising your hands, singing, worshipful giving. Uh, there's a box in the back you can get.